Last week, on the Lords of Grantham podcast, we talked the Gilded Age Season 2, Episode 3. In that episode, Bertha found out about George being in bed with Miss Winterton, who was Miss Turner when she was their servant, and she wasn't happy. They ain't speaking right now. Uh, Peggy Scott, she got an invite to go visit Booker T. Washington uh, with, with T. Thomas Fortune down in Tuskegee. Uh, Marion, she got a little closer with Dashiell. Ada, she got a little closer with Forte, Reverend Forte, that is. And Larry and Blaine, they're going at it. And you know what that means. So we'll follow up on all that this and more this week on the Lords of Grantham podcast. Because you're the first thing I know I can believe in. You're holy, 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 holy. I'm high on loving you. High on loving you. You're holy, holy. And we're back. Season two, episode four, with his grace, the Duke, Corey, what is going on? Uh, not a whole lot, Dave, just ready for Thanksgiving this week, you know, here in the mm-hmm. States, ready to eat some turkey. My family's getting a ham this year, too. Uh, well, oh, double, double meat. Yeah, well, I, it turns out I'm the only one in the family who really eats turkey, so uh, other people want ham, and that's just how we're going to do it this year or <laughs> so both i'm not i mean i think if you put, put a gun to my head and gave me a choice not that if anyone put a gun to my head over a thanksgiving dinner you'll take the gun probably shouldn't be there but <laughs> i remember one time my aunt had ham and turkey and i was i was in heaven i was like oh my goodness okay. what a surprise well i'll let you know how it goes this year but but dave you're taking the entirely alternative route of returning to disney for a second year in a row for thanksgiving you know these things happen <laughs> you had no choice in this it just happened to you well i mean it just kind of lined up that way and yeah. my parents are my parents are not really thanksgiving people per se anymore that they're, they're not, not very like, thankful i mean they're thank they're very thankful but i think you know the older you get the more i guess uh my parents want to travel it's their 40th anniversary this year so they're going to spain mm. and then last year they went to massachusetts and at some point, you need to stop, like, you know, cousins and aunts and uncles be be danged. I'm going to. I'm getting out of town, too. <laughs> and I am cursed to have, yeah, my Thanksgiving and try and survive it. But You'll make it through. You've got plenty of people in town. But Yeah, it'll, it'll be fine. Enough of that. Talking yep. about us. Not, not so much news news, but the crown's back. Yeah. And I tried looking for any, you know, news about the airing of the show, and all I got were a bunch of articles articles saying, did this really happen on The Crown? You know, we love perusing those when we're actually watching The Crown, but uh, those get so many clicks because of the liberties that the show takes with the truth. Uh, and so, yeah, those are back in full effect. But we do have reviews for Season 6 of The Crown. And again, this is only the first half. The second half of the season is coming in December, uh, mm-hmm. But the first half dealt with the remaining days of Princess Diana. And on Rotten Tomatoes, always reliable Rotten Tomatoes for uh, critics' for TV scores. of all things. Yeah. This season thus far has a 56%, Dave. Which Is it the lowest? It is indeed the lowest. It is a, a fall from the 71% that season 5 received, and then in the 80s to 90s ranges for the previous seasons. Wow. But it will, it'll still win all the Emmys. Who knows? We'll see. Uh, 
the the critical consensus according to Rotten Tomatoes is that Elizabeth Debicki's haunting portrayal does right by the Princess of Wales, but the Crown's final season often feels like a reign extended past its prime. And just going over some of the high level critiques of the season, it's the same stuff we've been saying about the show since its inception, which is that it doesn't play by the the history; it plays fast and loose, loose with the truth. Uh, but I think with the recency uh, of the events. I think it rings a little bit more false than it has in the past because people can recur recall what happened. Um, mm-hmm. And we even felt in the last season when we were watching it, a little bit of um, Peter Morgan losing his edge in terms of plotting. Like there were the other seasons that had kind of an overarching arc to them, but it started to feel a little bit shapeless in the last season. And I guess that's yeah, for sure. something they're, they're teeing off on this time around. But, We'll get to talking about that show at a later date because we will watch it. But uh, yeah, not right now. We got the Gilded Age on tap. <laughs> yeah, we got the Gilded Age. You want to jump right in? This is a pretty, this is a pretty wild episode. Yeah, and just to preface, you know, I was reading some of the, you know, feedback that's been online about the show, the growing buzz around it, and it's the same thing where people are like, "Man, is this show good?" <laughs> and it's made me wonder, like, have you ever watched a Julian Fellows show? Because <laughs> the thing is, yeah. it's kind of knowingly soapy that that's the thing it's not it, it, it was it has the sheen of prestige tv but yeah it's it's, and it's it, i think one one performance in particular we're gonna have to talk about being a little mm-hmm. little poorly portrayed well choices are made that, that, that's all choices are made so uh, where, where do we want to start i feel like we can well this is this, called there is this is season two episode four for his grace the duke the duke yep yeah, yeah. We can start from all different angles, but I want to let's start with the lowest of hanging fruit here, okay? Because I see a lot of online commentary about this. How low? It's very low. Uh, Jack Trotta. <laughs> okay, that's not the lowest of the low, though. There's it's pretty low, there's, brother. <laughs> there's some really minor plot lines in this episode. the The clock, <laughs> the clock is a thing. Three episodes in a row, we got this man toying with his clock. Uh, to the point where it's interfering with actual like stories in the show. So there's an, another yeah, scene. It's literally going off. <laughs> it's going off. <clears throat> there's a, a scene relating to other characters, and then his alarm clock goes off in the background because, oh, no, <laughs> the, the alarm's broken on the thing. <laughs> I think that's my alarm clock. <laughs> Agnes is like, what is it on for? Um, and, yeah, we, we get a scene of him saying, like, the wheel's busted. Like, I, I got to work through it. I, I think I figured it out. It just needed to Yeah, the escape out. wheel. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't need lubricant. We needed to, to make it work without the lubricant. <laughs> no, I, I don't like Armstrong, but I, I totally understand why she sits alone in the other room for a lot of this. Because imagine you just have to deal with Jack Trotter talking about a clock all the time. Like, mm-hmm. And everyone's just talking about that. how boring is their day-to-day life that they're like, he's working on the clock. He's, he sounds more like a scientist than a servant. It's like, sh- shut up with this guy. And everyone else is wondering, too, like online, is he going to become a inventor of clocks or is he, w- what's the career path? But one, one kind of mean comment that I saw, but wasn't too far from what some of us thought is, you know, he looks like a Nick knockoff Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> Chalamet. And I, okay. can, I can see it. <laughs> I can see it a little bit. Um, but well, you can't put a Chalamet in that role. You could. You just got to call him Wonka. 
That's that's the only the difference. <laughs> oh, so do we think uh, maybe he he transcends uh, clocks, <laughs> food science, and and becomes Wonka Trotta? It could be Trotta Wonka. His um, name changes enough that we could. It could be just Jack Wonka next year. <laughs> <coughs> don't don't tell me with a good time. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's the third episode of Row, but. I think the point you were trying to make, Dave, was there was a lower hanging fruit. So please tell me, what is the lowest? There's, there's, there are single, single scene subplots here. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. This one we can talk about. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean no disrespect to the grander scheme of this. Yeah. But we got to talk about Miss Bruce. <laughs> I knew it. And knew Mr. It. Borden. And I think they made eyes at each other earlier in the season, just for a brief fleeting second. And I, I, I clocked that, but there was no follow up or anything on them at all last. Yeah, and week. it was, and and we we the other day or last, it might have been last week. We were like, he really can't just have this plot be every week we wink at his past and and mm-hmm. make a joke about how he has multiple personalities. Yeah, he said no, and then and then I think I, I speculated that. Julian done with him. Julian has is finished playing with the toy that is Monsieur Baldin. But just when, just well, when I think I'm out, he pulls me right back in. He's Mister Borden now. Uh, he's Mister Borden, brother Borden. So we get a scene of Miss Bruce sitting at a piano in the Russell's house playing it, which uh-huh. there's no pretext for why this is happening. The downstairs help should not. <laughs> I, I don't imagine that they were allowed to just freely play on these pianos. In that, back then. I, in that house, I would not touch a thing that I was not no. supposed to touch. You know, I, I think we get a, a reference to like, oh, no one's around, so I can get away with this. But like, huh? <laughs> we're even supposed to know that she plays piano. Um, and please correct me, people, if I'm wrong that she has a history of playing piano because I do not recall that. Uh, but. Mr. Borden seems to know that she would be there <laughs> and just is freely walking around upstairs as well. Well, he uh, has an excuse for walking around upstairs. That's true. He's trying to finalize some menus. Yes. Yes. But then he also says, hey, Bruce, mm-hmm. I got uh, tickets to a concert. I got tickets to the Eras tour. <laughs> yeah. Opera was, era, classical era. The piano era with Swiss. That city field. Uh, so, but yeah, a concert's going on in Central Park, a medley. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, Midsummer Night's Dream is one of them, you know, one of the classics here in the park. And yeah, would you like to go? And she's like, that'd be a great Who, idea. <laughs> yeah. Well, she's like, together? And he's like, yeah, that's how that would work. And he so kind of nods uh, his head when she says she's down, and he says, you've made me glad. Love is in the air. Dude. Look, I'm all for this. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see these side characters uh, get their own plot lines. I saw other online chatter of like, man, we have enough going on in the show. What the heck is this? But the thing is, it's all about the deployment of the story. This could have uh-huh. organically came out of conversations that they would have downstairs like we'd see on Downton. And here it just seems awkward. <laughs> because A, why is Miss Bruce upstairs playing the piano and then just getting away with it? Uh, mm-hmm. And then... Yeah, so it's a weird setup. Yeah, Borden coming off the top rope saying like, hey, I saw you look sideways at me for a second. <laughs> Let's get it. Well, maybe it's not that Julian is done with Borden. It's just that he doesn't know what to do. Mm. 
and he's just hot shotting him through his plot instead of giving him yeah ample time to cook. And the thing is, he's going to cook. There's going to be something here where they're having a picnic or something at that medley, or he's going to be nervous. He's definitely going to be nervous at this concert, I bet you. You think he fumbles it? He starts talking in a French accent again because he's so well, nervous. Well, do, you, do you think maybe Julian just wants like an easy background plot because Bruce oh, yeah. does, hasn't had much? Mm-hmm. And if these two are just like, you know, we're shipping them and they're happy and there's no tr- trouble because they're like C-tier characters on the show, even potentially D-tier characters in the show yeah. relative to the number of characters. Just some like all reliable. We need some couples. We do need more couples in the show. Downstairs oh, yeah. especially. And I don't doubt, too, with the way the show has these huge events every episode that brings together people, that it will be not only Borden and uh, Bruce in the park, it will be other people from the houses as well. Uh, likely Trotter Jack- and uh, Adelheid. Yep, with his alarm clock disturbing the medley. <laughs> Just going off in the middle of the performance. Uh, and Bridget. Yeah, Bridget and Trotter. <laughs> yep. Trotter and everybody. Right. So... That's, That's all we get. Thing. I mean, it. Okay, it's a thing. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Not well, enough to really sink your teeth into, but another another short two scene story this week is uh, your boy Watson and McNeil. Why is he my boy? I, I feel like he 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 gives me like a you, a you like him character, like Molesley. Oh, there's an affinity for fellow bald men. That's true. <laughs> uh, but. Uh, yeah, more, more that I've always been perplexed with like what his deal was. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. and, and now that we're getting it, it doesn't seem like Julian has much an idea of what to do with him until uh, he's running out of time and needs to move the story forward. Because w- of one of the two scenes, or most of these two scenes are kind of a rehash of what we saw last week, where McNeil states to, to Church that, uh, or no, is it Bannister rather, that he hasn't uh, responded to McNeil's letter. And uh, Watson says... I don't believe that my daughter actually wants me to, to go away, even though all we have to go on is the first episode of his daughter being mortified that her dad was in service. Um, but he says he needs to hear it from her. And so he goes to visit McNeil again. And he says, like, the whole staff knows about me. Uh, and I'm the father of her. <laughs> and McNeil's not too pleased about that. He's like, well, he, says, exactly- he says not the whole staff. He says yeah. a few super, you know, like, high-powered staff because... Mm-hmm. Obviously, you can't just leave your job. Right. You know, you need to give two weeks notice. And McNeil's like, why are you telling people? This is what I'm trying to to stop from happening. Come on, man. Uh, But McNeil's a jerk. Oh, yeah. Uh, He's like, look, you can't meet with your daughter. mm -hmm. And that's it. And and our boy Watson's like, I well, then I'm not leaving. Yeah. Like, and then they kind of this is an episode where it's like, very high emotional highs, but then a lot of like tension. Like it was, a, I was uncomfortable for a good portion of this episode. Watson's standing and not in a bad. <laughs> it's an it's an, an entertaining discomfort. Mm-hmm. Like I did feel like Julian was playing out of his comfort zone a lot here. Yeah, and that tension between McNeil, where he's like, "Well, I believe you're really making a mistake right now." And there's one line towards the end of their exchange. I forget what it was. Where, where basically, our our guy Watson is just like, sorry, dude, like you're not being, you you have to understand yeah. what I'm what I'm saying to you. Mm-hmm. This is on you. This is not on me. And McNeil's like, all right, dude, like McNeil is not having it. But I don't think McNeil realizes 
this will ultimately hurt him a lot more than it'll hurt Watson. Because of his wife being the, and the yeah. daughter and everything? Yeah. Could we be. We literally see in another subplot of this episode how status, perceived status, yeah. is all that matters. I, I do like that we also get the brief reminder from Watson that... In case you didn't watch last week's episode, I used to be a banker too, so I know how these uh, mm-hmm. rooms look and everything. It's like, great job, Julian, doing the effective uh, recaps for us. So if you haven't watched them, uh, so yeah, that's still going on. Yeah, I mean, this one we the problem with this, the, it can Julian can only zag so much, mm-hmm. and I think he has a handful of zags this week. Yeah, and. We all see the writing on the wall. We know McNeil, Mrs. McNeil is being intentionally left out because she does not know or does not agree with this thing. It's right. how it Right, because it's going to be something where she's just thinking like, hey, I just wanted him to kind of go away. I don't want him like completely banished from the East Coast. Uh, but or she's we'll going to be like, I didn't know he was my dad. It takes me time to figure out how to handle, well, she you know, he was I'm a grown dad. woman. But he told her, right? He she because she didn't recognize him when he was looking at her across the street last season. No, that's true. That's true. Uh, uh, that's fair. Well, well, it's such low like like background material. We'll, we'll talk more about that when there's actually a development because it's the same as last week, really. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I'd like him to prove us wrong, mm-hmm. but I really don't care with this plot whether or not he does. I just want to be satisfied and enjoy sure. it. Uh, on the merit of uh, talking about stuff that's not really related to the central plots, um, let's talk about uh, the Scots, or well, Peggy Scott rather. Okay, I mean this is this is opening the door for something. What do you what do you what, what's that something? What they're doing? Well, so we have to talk about it in sequence before I get to yeah. the, the issues. Not issues, but the something. where I'm curious. The something of it all. Yes. We're in Alabama, mm-hmm. Booker T. Washington, yep, universally beloved, even by the white people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they took and the gets off this the, episode. She gets off the train, and you, you're like you're reminded of what Peggy's mother said last week. It's not the same down south. Yeah, and she gets off the train, and she's with TTF. Mm-hmm. And there's Booker T. And he says, yeah, you know, I built the biggest dormitory around here. And you see a white guy say, like, good day to you, Booker T. I'm, that, I'm so great what you're doing for the college. Mm-hmm. And they're like, okay, this is great. This is really good what you're doing. And we spend a lot of time sort of talking about the, the racial ethics of Peggy and T. Thomas Fortune and Booker T. And the Tuskegee students in general yeah and it's a thing where you see the conversation which is like uh what booker t washington is of the mind that you need to create change incrementally educating the people making them uh more equipped to do jobs and get theirs whereas uh freeman uh thomas t uh freeman (laughs) is um more of the mind of no, if they're paying, if they're going to end up making money, and it's just going to go to, to white people, or it's only still going to be servicing 
black people. It's not going to be creating this broader change. So he's making for, he wants to see a bigger sweeping change. And it's a conversation mm-hmm. that goes on to towards today. Uh, and it's, I think quite obvious, like, you know, that Julian's trying to show like, draw a line from there today but it's just like it's a conversation i'll just never go away <laughs> but it does show mm-hmm. like oh man this really is always always been the case um and it gets quite awkward and peggy's just trying to say like hey you know what's going on here is good right come on thomas t and I t thomas t thomas i keep saying freeman's fortune thomas t fortune pardon yeah. me my brain <laughs> is scrambled uh but yeah, T- Thomas T. Fortune is just not too convinced. T. Thomas Fortune. T. God, T. Thomas Fortune. <laughs> just call not, him TTF. TTF. Uh, he's just not too convinced of, of this being a net positive. Mm-hmm. And so Peggy has the bright idea of like, hey, why don't we talk to some of the people going to school here? Uh, don't, don't jump the gun here. Okay. Julian does what Julian does best. Tell me. We get a married man, T. Thomas, mm-hmm. TTF, yep. with no shirt on. Yep, just some briefs. This is a Julian trademark. Mm-hmm. The door opens. There he is. Uh-oh. Sorry, Peggy. Peggy says, oh, what, did I, what have I seen? I'm just curious, too. What was TTF expecting when he opened the door? If he's shirtless and everything, there's only three other people who could be knocking on that door. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know... It's a it's a sixty six percent chance it's going to be a female, and doesn't mm-hmm. Peggy say like hello at the door, before yeah. he? But regardless, he's showing off that he's jacked, kind of. He's in good shape. Well, I I say why did they stop there? <laughs> they should have just shown more. Why not give us the whole TTF? Just full uh, full full nude <laughs> yeah. for no reason. It's no hot reason. in the south. It's it's really sweaty down there. Um, and again, he didn't know who was at the door. He was already prepared to be shirtless. But it's funny. Yeah, it's certainly um, it's very early in the morning. Uh, yeah. But yeah, can continue on with Peggy. Well, well, someone was making the point online. If you look up the T, real T. Thomas Fortune, TTF, uh, not that hot of a looking guy. Kind of looks like a geek. Just a little bit of mm-hmm. a, a nerd. So I, I don't know how much of a hunk you'd actually get in real life. Uh, but yeah, Peggy says... We should talk to people who are going to school here, get their opinion. And he's like, there's a good reason why I brought you here. You got ideas. <laughs> to which I think, I have a bit of a journalist background. That's why I had originally went to school for. How is that not the first thing that comes to mind when you're going to, <laughs> to do this well, investigative yeah, piece? That is, it's interesting because I think we see how, I don't know what the, how this is a net positive for you know, this seems more like it's going from something that's going to highlight what Booker T. Washington is doing mm-hmm. to something that is going to just point out that it's racist in Alabama. Yeah. Which I think loses the progressive nature of what it is right. trying to be. So, saying and that's no why I'm worried that. about. Because they're making they, basically what, what they're suggesting, the two of them, is that everyone puts on their Sunday best for Booker T. Yeah. But the rest of the time, they're kind like, who knows what they're like when he's not around? Because even the white people are putting on their Sunday best for Booker T. Yeah. And so we get a scene of investigative journalism, and it's a guy who's quite happy to be learning about stuff, uh, you know, going to masonry class, planting crops. And they're like, Peggy, you want to milk a cow? Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. Don't know when I'm going to be able to do that again. And sure enough, we see her milk a cow. Yeah. And that's where we leave them this week. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I mean, I, I was a little confused, not confused as much as like, is this on purpose that the fact that this guy who's in college is like, oh, yeah, I'm doing farming now. I just helped build the dorms mm-hmm. and I did this, this, this and this. And are we trying to say like that's not from like the New York point of view? Peggy is a writer mm-hmm. who had a, a track. Right. T. They, Thomas they, had a singular track. They do mention that versus, how she has a, a aspirational position for people too. Uh huh. So I, I'm just curious as like obviously these people are appearingly seemingly happy mm-hmm. to be around our two characters from the north, but. Are we just like I'm really I really don't know where they're going to take this 100 percent of the way and I'm it seems strange that we have two real life people here mm-hmm. and we're yeah. just playing around with them so I and I don't know what's going to happen they even make a point to, for her to say like what's your name sir who was helping with the cow David Stir and I looked him up couldn't find any evidence of this guy existing so it's like why did they take that beat to be like what's your name <laughs> to give us just a fake name and then cut to the next scene and not resolve anything going on with that which is fine don't resolve it but it's not a weird note to leave, leave that whole uh, story on for this week <laughs> well, hey, it's, it's good for him as a, a member of SAG that he has a name sure does this mean that we'll just pick up next week and Peggy's still milking cows like you know what I really like this who knew now I want to go take the masonry class yeah and of course Tuskegee uh, the thing that he's building there becomes Tuskegee uh, University so you know, mm-hmm. he's building something there. Yeah. But making our way back to the Russells and the Van Ryans and all the rich peoples of the world. We could start with Marion or Oscar. You take your pick. Oscar ties into our A plot. So let's okay. do Marion and the Tea Party and Uncle Cousin Dash. Mm-hmm. So, as we learned last week, Dashiell is interested in Marion. He, he thinks, like, there's, yep. there's something, some potential there. And so, yeah, there's a, a lunch at the, the house. And what is it? Mary, he's very complimentary of Marion there. And that she, she brings out the best. <laughs> uh, and Dashiell wants to take Marion to school. You know, because she's expected to work there for the day. And she's like, I don't need to ride. And well, that's like, no, no, it's the tea party. That's the tea party. Man, there's it's too the, many lunches and tea parties in this episode. Mommy-daughter tea party. Yeah. Well, Dave, you, you take the take the lead then. Because I, I, I think my notes are out of order here. Yeah, so we're at the, the thing, the event at the Van Ryan house. Mm-hmm. Where our boy Reverend Forte is talking about a Mexican, uh, why is the word, you know, a, a, a priest who is a missionary, a Mexican missionary. Mm-hmm. And all the sort of Van Ryan adjacent characters, Aurora Fane, Oscar, Marion, Dash, uh, all of them are over. Mm-hmm. And then Marion's like, I gotta go. Remember when I told your daughter I would go take her to the mother-daughter dance? Time yeah. time is, is ticking. We gotta get out the door. Yeah. And that's where we go. To the tea party where mm-hmm. another woman, another mother, yep. rather a mother because Marion is not a mother, starts talking Marion's ear off about being is it what what's the child? Is it Francis or Nora? It, it's with an F. 
uh, <laughs> I wrote it down here somewhere. Uh, Francis, it's Francis. Yeah, uh, she is. Uh, she calls her Miss Montgomery. She, yeah, she, she just she's basically like, she's, she's like your daughter's on. great. <laughs> yeah, no, I like your daughter a lot, and uh, man, we, you know, we're just so happy to have someone like you. To which Marion deliberately says, "Oh, I'm his cousin," <laughs> and she says, "Cousin." She says, "Cousin," and I teach her. Uh, so suddenly, the whole cousin-in-law thing is dropped. It's just pure cousin. And mm-hmm. you can see that she was already kind of annoyed, or not annoyed, but like a little perturbed that Dashiell wanted to take her to school earlier when she can take care of herself. And the whole button on the scene is that Francis says, we make a f- nice family, don't we? Between her, Dashiell, and... Oh uh, my God, that was that was tough. Yeah. That was an awkward scene. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Marion's like, okay, yeah, sure, okay. Yeah, well, and then they, she does a thing where they hold hands, and like they're holding yeah. hands in like a triangle, and it's like, okay, let's go, let's stop. Don't yeah. don't make the child force this on us. This is this seems so unnatural as it is. Mm-hmm. And what was it? What else is there? Anything else with uh, Marion in this episode? I mean, aside from tying into yeah. the other plot, but so Mary, we have another yeah. scene where Marion is leaving the school, mm-hmm. and. The headmaster corners her and says, hey, you're, oh, yeah. you're good at what you do. We think it's time that you help us with the impoverished, you know, a, a different school for for kids that don't have what our population has. Because you're such a beloved teacher. <laughs> and and maybe she's saying, can your I, art can stinks, I, but yeah. we like you. But Marion's asking, can I do the arts? And she's like, no, no, that we need actual skills uh, for these impoverished <laughs> things they can carry over into the real world. Um, and Marion's like, well, maybe then I'll do some good. Yeah. But it does make me wonder, like, with Marion, like, um, what, what is she going to pay for this job? Like, this is going beyond just volunteering and stuff like that at this point. <laughs> I think she must be. But did they say that this other school would be a volunteer position? I, there's so much going on in this episode, I didn't write all of that down. Mm-hmm. But basically, this is a, a big honor and a, a seal of approval from the school that she is good at what she does. Which yeah. is good for her because now she has some purpose. Mm-hmm. And what is it that Agnes says uh, you're, that she she calls? Oh, beggars. She says, Marion's going to be out there teaching beggars. Hard times there. Hard times, yeah. I think that's all we get from Marion. Yeah. And so we have. The, the, but the one thing about Marion, though, I'll say, though, is it's so funny to see her being pushed to the margins with her storylines. Mm-hmm. And we, I was already sensing this earlier in the season, but, like, truly, like, for her to be, like, our entryway into the plot for last season, she has suddenly seen her way to stage left with a mostly forgettable plot line that where it's just like. Early on, she was very friendly to this Dashiell guy, and now she's just like, whoa, 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 I'm not too interested. And it's just like, where are we going with Marion? So we're just wasting our time with this guy. Well, do we know that she's not too interested? I think the cousin comment really shows that she's not feeling completely in on the idea of like... Well, I mean, what else do you say to a total stranger? You say he's he's related, he's, I don't know, part of my family (laughs) or something, I don't know. Which is the cousin. Or you say cousin-in-law. He's my cousin-in-law. 
I think I, I'm not I'm not sold that he has this. Obviously, there's not the same electricity between these two and the three other romantic plots that we have yet to 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 bring up. Mm-hmm. But I think she's kind of she's she's thrown in to the deep end because of her own altruism, almost like she yeah. wants to be there for Francis and. Now she's paying the price where people are making assumptions about her and Dash. And I think that might be the kind of thing she hates. Mm-hmm. And, and especially knowing that Aunt Agnes loves it. Yeah. Also, last comment too on this. Dash looks like he was using a little bit of Just for Men for this episode. Beard was a little bit darker. Not quite as gray as it looked in the past couple of weeks. That's good. Well, it's, uh, he's happy to be around young people. Yeah. And I know she's that's bringing out real, the youth in him. I know that didn't exist back then, but maybe he's using tar to color his beard. I, I don't know. Shoe polish or something. I mean, yeah, Mr. Mosley used what blue dye in Downton Abbey. That's true. That Who is knows? True. Okay, so that's Marion. That's Marion. So we have a couple plots left, and I think maybe a juicy one. But I think we got to get mm-hmm. Larry and Susan Blaine out of the way now because I think the rest ties sure. too much together. Yeah. So work is progressing smoothly on the redesign of the house for Mrs. Blaine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we see early in this episode that a newspaper man, uh, a writer, alerts um, Bertha to an item in the newspaper about her son and Mrs. Blaine. And Bertha says, oh, and they're just friends. He's working for her. Or, and not even friends. He's, he's, a, he's working for her and they're just working closely on the house. And the newspaper guy's like, you sure about that? You sure She's about like, that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I am. I want you to go get out get off my lawn. Mm-hmm. Get off my stage. Yep. And so the first time we see Larry and Miss Blaine this episode is they're in bed. And yeah. her leg is hiked up around him. Mm-hmm. Do you think they're done yet there? Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I mean, the conversation is too in-depth for it to be a prior to conversation. She, her leg is wrapped around them. But yeah, but yeah, but they're like already naked. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like, I, we'll get to this in a little... We already did this. Mm-hmm. We're still like intertwined, but we're, you know, the sun is shining. It's clean. Mm-hmm. It is a weirdly set up scene. Yeah. But I'm not. I'm not arguing. I'm okay with it. Uh, yeah, they're two good-looking people. Yeah, let them be in bed with uh, their thighs showing. Let's let's go. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so she's just like, we gotta be careful, man. You're you're a bachelor sowing your oats. This could be this could be you know bad news. And Larry says, I don't care. I'm in love. <laughs> he says, I'm not sowing my wild oats. I'm in love with you. Yeah. And then and, we see that George, George and uh, George and Bertha have had a discussion about this. Mm-hmm. We got and, and Bertha says, "I'm calling her. She's coming over." Yeah, and, and she's she's written a letter already uh, about getting a box at the Metropolitan because you know uh-huh. they could wait until Newport, but no, no, let, let's uh, let's not wait. Wait. So she said, "Next time you're in New York, come to my house. We'll talk." Yep. To Bertha. Bertha has her over. Yep. And it's raining. It's pouring. Mm-hmm. Some and she thunder. says, oh, you want to talk about a... You want to talk about this box? And she's like, no. 
Yeah. I want to talk about you banging my 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 boy, my little Larry. <laughs> and it's very much in the same kind of tone, the deliberate tone that George uh, shut down Oscar a, a couple weeks back, where she uh-huh. was like, "Let's not fool around here. We know what you're doing. You're letting my boy have have his fun with you. End it. It's over." And she yeah. says it, and she says it, says it in like the cruelest terms, in that you can't give him an heir, which debatable. You look at her; she could, she could probably have a baby. She could give him an heir. Oh, absolutely! And she says you'll be with a walking stick in twenty years, which when he's in his prime. Yeah, and he'll be waiting for you to die like you did your husband. Like, oh my lord! I don't think she's that bad off. Uh, Miss Blaine. I think she's got a few more good years in her than just uh, 20. But yeah. that's enough to send her <laughs> running off with her leg be- or her tail between her legs. Cause, cause, well, she's just like, wait, what about the boxes? Oh, yeah, they're already filled. There's nothing you can do about it. And she's so, like, I don't even want one of your boxes. And she goes, I don't care that you don't want one of my boxes because they're already accounted for. And so you Leave have my baby boy just to alone. shut me down? Yeah. <laughs> and then... Bye-bye. Towards the end of the episode, there's this party. Our boy Larry goes to pick up Blaine. Mm-hmm. Blaine says, "I'm not going." Yeah. Which can we can we st- take a step back for a second? Larry's idea of like, well, we'll go in the carriage together. They'll drop you off, and then we'll roll around the block, and I'll arrive shortly after. Dude, this is exactly how they're noticing that you are a pair. Yeah. <laughs> like how dense are you? Um, so she says, "We got to call. We got, it's over. Mm-hmm. It's done." Yeah. And it's compli- getting too complicated. And I think that this is the logical... This is how I thought their relationship would end, naturally. Mm-hmm. Where our girl, uh, Blaine, is basically just, just sees the writing on the wall on her own. I'm a little disappointed that Bertha had to be the one to do this. Yeah. But she's cutting him loose and she says, you know, like, hey, it's too complicated. We gotta, we gotta be done. Mm-hmm. I hope you don't hate me. I had a good time. Yep. See ya. And, and Larry's banging on the door. Yeah. She says that, you know, it's like a, they, they had a fling, which this poor pup dog, <laughs> he, he, he believes he was in love. If we're, th- this is the one thing that I think is a little, obviously this, she, she blew his mind in some ways. Yeah. But if we're ultimately shipping Larry Russell and Marion, mm-hmm. This is a real eight steps back. You're you're gonna need to do some real hard work on Larry to make me think he's good for Marion. And, and who's to say with how much they're getting it done, she ain't pregnant at this point. That would that would be the reveal. That could be. That's a that's a Julian Zig that we could get. Get him with Marion, and then have the baby come into the picture. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. We know our boy Larry Harry Richardson. He loves a. A TV show where paternity of a character is in question. So <laughs> that's true. He's done it before in Poldark. Uh, Larry Russell as uh, Drake Karn. Um, spoilers for the show Poldark. Um, but yeah, that went on. Let's talk about He's, Oscar. He, yeah, I, would, I mean, just to put a bow on on the Larry of it all, he is. He, Julian's going to need to to throw like a half court three pointer for me to really buy back in on Larry as a man. I feel like he's just like a like a horny teenager. Like which is funny cuz the actor's like 30. <laughs> uh but 
I don't know. If he ends up paired off with her, I think he has real chemistry. Let's do it. Let's keep running the back. I'm okay with it. It's, no. I mean, <laughs> the, fin- the finish line is Marion and Larry. No. You're going to need to really... That's a downgrade. That's a downgrade for both of them. It's not a downgrade for Marion. Yeah. I, I think the best opportunity for her is just to be single, maybe. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe. But, it's better than Tom Rakes and and is be- better than Cousin Dash. But fair. yeah, let's let's move on to... Oscar and mm-hmm. what's uh, his his new friend's name? Maud. Maud Beaton. Maud Beaton. Doesn't quite roll, this, roll off the tongue. This is pretty straightforward. Seems like they're just <laughs> not too much to say. Yeah, they're they're getting on well, and it's progressing at a rate that is not as fast as other relationships in the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he he's at uh, the lunch that Ada is throwing for uh, good Christian causes, and that's where we learn that uh, Beaton is interested in spreading Christian causes. I don't know if that's been mentioned previously, but it really does help to maybe highlight a roadblock in the future for them, given what we know about Oscar uh, not being the most Christian man in the world. Uh, mm-hmm. But we do see that he's willing to impress her and make donations uh, in her name to really try and you know woo her, saying that she inspires mm-hmm. him. And uh, Maude asked Marion, like, is he usually like this? And she says, oh, you're bringing out the best in him. You're doing great. Yeah. No, this is definitely Marion in, you know, wing woman mode. Yeah. And, and it just it just sort of continues in that trajectory, right? There's a... We see them together later in the episode... Mm-hmm. At this dinner with the Duke. Yep. And they're hitting it off again. And then we see them walking through town. And there's there's some issue with, with is it stocks or something? You know. Something with banking that with her father or something that she needs to get sorted out. It's not very clear. I, I, I want to say it's tied to her. It seems deceased. like a situation she needs to get out of. Well, it sounds like it's tied, I think, to one of her deceased parents, and there's like a lot of paperwork mm-hmm. involved with that, and like it might have to do with the fortune. It's not clear to me. But her head was, her head's spinning with all the contracts that are, that are involved. With no, she's the, she's she's the one over. who's a Stuyvesant, right? Yeah. She comes yeah. from a lot of money. Yeah, so she's had to take over a bunch of contracts, I think, since someone passed away. Uh, one of her parents. Uh, but yeah, he's a banker, and he can help Maude out, he says. Done. I mean, yeah. What else do you say? Good job. Uh, I mean, I know that it's a thing that it's kind of despicable considering she's a, his beard. Mm-hmm. But they seem to get along. Like he doesn't seem yeah. like he's manipulating her. Right. Which is really sad to me because I do like this character so far, Maud. She doesn't yeah. seem like a stupid person. I just hope it just works out where, like, you know, he can just be the best he can be for her and she can understand him and they can just work something out. Because, <laughs> yeah, she's too nice to have anything bad happen to her just yet, really. Yeah. Not, not to say that people should just have bad things happen to them if they're bad people, but I just really want them to work out. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe the twist is Oscar is bisexual. Maybe. Or she she goes the other way and they can just kind of be in a happy marriage Bearded together. Bearded up together. They're both each other's there beards. There you go. Who knows? Yeah, it could be could be stranger than that. Yeah, or maybe they just get a, need a third person in, in the relationship. Get John Adams to join us. John Adams, yeah. yeah, Oscar Wilde. 
<laughs> get Oscar Wilde as the third man. Uh, or or get uh, Trotta in there. Oh, Trotta. He's climbing the ladder. Who knows? Get that alarm clock going. Um, so so that's that. So we got the two big two big boys left. Do we want to? Yeah. Do we want to? Actually, the. Well, George, we haven't talked about. I think the, let's keep let's the, keep the really happy one for the end. Yeah, I think let's talk about the opera. Let's talk about. Well, no, let's talk about the one thing with George. the The railway strike is still uh, going on. Yeah, or it's, was, it's, that does kind of tie into him, but yeah, he does it, have the solitary scene. Right, it's looking more threatening. And he's like, can the militia get involved? They can put them down, right? Which is just not a good look for George as us Well, there's the also day. a political cartoon about him. Yeah. yeah. Which is uh, pretty cool to see. And he's making the case of like, I gave all these people jobs. Now they hate me. And it's like, yeah, bro, you got to adjust with inflation. What, what are you, you going to do? You can't just say He's like, why else. would I do that? Yeah. And, and there's protests. There's people that are calling him a murderer in the streets. Mm-hmm. And he's like, sorry, I got to handle my wife's opera drama. So it goes. I'm going to keep uh, keep you and your family eating like canned beans for the rest of your lives while I enjoy this wealth. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, let's, let's talk about the he is still He is still in the doghouse with his wife, yeah. Bertha. Well, who, well, let's tackle let's it. Let's rewind that back to the beginning. There is a tour of the Met. And we see not just people that are going to, you know, like potential, what you call box owners. Yeah. But you also see people like uh, our girl, Mrs. Winterton Turner, mm-hmm. who Journalists. has told told Bertha that she is not joining the Met because she has a, a box of the Academy. And we see Aurora Fain is there, even though. She's like, yeah, I know, you know, like, I, I can't do this. Thanks for including me. Mm-hmm. And Bertha's like, I can change your mind still. Still yeah. plenty of room. But and, and we get the unveiling of this new this new Metropolitan, uh, you know, opera that's opening. The CGI is so poor. It is so immediately evident they're standing it, against a fake background. This is a rough scene because I'm... It's one of those situations where we've never really seen a full opera house aside from like Tom Rakes mm-hmm. canoodling with the girl last season. Yeah. Like you can't show me an empty room that's not lit, that's done in a CGI background and expect me to go, oh my God. Yeah. When we haven't seen a disappointing view of the Academy. And I get the challenge here because this is the old Met that they're looking at, and that was torn down in the nineteen hundreds, I think nineteen sixties, uh-huh. to make way for the new one. But like, even if you're recreating that old one, just make it more convincing. It's so darkly lit, which I understand that it's still being the renovated, whole show but, is very dark. Well, it's to kind of keep people. There's a thing on these shows where you have like older. I don't mean to be negative, but when they have older casts, they light it a little bit darker, just because it helps to make them look a little softer in the, <laughs> the features. Okay, uh, but. Yeah, and they even do the lingering shot of the whole thing. It's like, wow. And it's like, no, 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 not not wow. Not um, me, but they're, they're wow, so I trust them. would not them. buy a box, Dave. I would not buy a box there. Would not buy, absolutely not. There would be no Lord of Grantham box at <laughs> the Met. But Mr. Gilbert is there happy to answer any questions people have. And he's also unhappy to tell Bertha that money's dried up. 
Mm-hmm. We need people buying boxes. And yep. things have slowed down. And is that because Aster threatened people? Who's to say? Yeah. They, they're just uh, almost out of money there. And in that moment when she's getting that news, there's the journalist saying, hey, your son is uh, shacking up with someone. Can I get your portrait here? <laughs> okay. Oh, and then Winterton's like, you can't take my picture. Yeah. I'm a, I, I support the Academy. So, like, we are outright in the open, like, this is a yep. them versus us situation. And I like that they take a beat when uh, Bertha walks away. She's like, I'm done here. That the guy's disappointed that he can't finish the portrait <laughs> of, of Bertha. Mm-hmm. Uh, he can only get a little bit of her face, but not any, any of the, any of the dress. Um, but yeah, so we talked about this last week. But the Duke is coming to visit, mm-hmm. and specifically, he's coming to visit the Wintertons, correct? Or they're yes, hosting. Mis- uh, uh, Mister Winterton has like secured the connect, mm-hmm. and Bertha basically told George like, "You need to make this pivot happen." And George's like. How can I functionally do that? And I think uh-huh. this is something that we hear heard last week, and we heard it abundantly clear this week in an argument they had, where mm-hmm. Bertha's basically saying, "No one has my back." Yeah, and it's like, so you want your husband, who is dealing with a union strike, who's being called a murderer to his face, and who has cartoon. You want to talk about Susan Blaine and Larry? How mm-hmm. about your husband is being called a murderer? In the yeah. newspaper in a cartoon, like yeah. what kind of she is so she is so much fog in her head, but she does she she can't see the forest for the trees. Like, cool down, Bertha. You, you do get a good sense though of how their their relationship works. Where you mm-hmm. know she's complaining to him about the the Met and stuff, and he's like, "How can I help with that?" And then she's complaining about Larry and uh, Blaine, and he says, "Well, you can handle that." So it's kind of like, "Well, we can shoulder the burden here, okay?" Just kind of mm-hmm. you know, need to lean on each she other. She outright says to him, "I cover all your backs, and no one is covering mine." Yeah, but and, she, and he, it's unfair. Oh yeah, she's obviously she's egotistical. Mm-hmm. But, but we see. So she basically, t- George says, "I heard the production stop. What's going on? Tell mm-hmm. me." And she says, the boxes aren't being sold. And he goes, don't worry, I'm on it. Yep. You go handle our, our boy yeah. and his wild oats. And so, yeah, we, we talked about that scene already. Now they're meeting the Duke and they're asking the question, what do you call him? Call him Duke. You call him, call him sir. Your, <laughs> yeah. role, your, your grace. No, it's Duke. And we and- see that. Our girl goes into the dining room, Bertha. Well, wait, wait, wait. Winterton has an exchange though with Bertha and says, oh, I heard the uh-huh. work on the Met has already been suspended. To which Bertha says to George, wait, is word getting out already? That work is suspended? It, that's not true. And George says, yeah, no, nah, it's not true at all. Yeah, so just about. for one day. Mm-hmm. And it was but all then, just paperwork. That, that's really what it was, was uh, causing the... Allegedly. Thing. Allegedly. Mm-hmm. Bertha goes into the dining room and rearranges the seating chart. Yeah. And almost gets... In fact, she is seen in there doing that. Mm-hmm. And... Kind of, kind of wise on her part to, to manipulate things. Why is that? She's, 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 getting, she's going to be Icarus. Yeah. She's going she's gonna to crash and burn. She's flying too close to the sun. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, 
but yeah, she's sitting next to uh, the Duke. You, you see Miss w- uh, Winterton walk in, and she briefly looks at the cards, and she's a little perplexed to see she's not sitting next to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, we, we see in this scene Bertha entertaining the, the Duke. They seem to hit off. They have a bit of chemistry. She, she notes that, hey, you're not that much older than my children. Huh. And, I was uh, single. Yeah, and he's single. Uh, um, we've seen Julian handle this before in like Downton Abbey where there's been a duke coming to town who was mm-hmm. seeking a bride who didn't actually have all that much uh, money actually <laughs> so who knows if it's a similar play he may be doing here but don't always trust a duke as being you know the best guy but he seems nice in the, as of right now mm-hmm. uh, but during that conversation she's just the, you know you could stay at our house in Newport because you, you're, you're talking about Newport. We have a home there. And he says, yeah, like, and, and he's like, well, I am staying with the Wintertons. Don't worry about that. And, you can and, stay and with us. And she's like, ugh, the Wintertons. And he seems to be like, I don't even know how I wound up staying with the Wintertons. Yeah. Don't worry. And this about is, it. meanwhile, I think, good opportunity to pivot to talk mm. about what's going on a little ways down the table. Oscar has a relationship with Turner. I forgot all about this, but I was happy to see them re- remember that. Uh, so, as we recall last week, they're conspiring in a way to uh, for Oscar to get closer to Gladys and him to help kind of get her in uh, with bringing down George in some way. Or he was paying her, right? He was paying her for her services. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Kind of like what we saw in Belgravia, another Julian show that we covered on this podcast. Yeah. And it's kind of funny that... Paying off the help... Yeah, it's funny when the names got switched around. That did Bertha even connect the dots that she was putting him next to <laughs> Oscar, her old his old her old friend. Um, not that she would know, but it's kind of funny. Yeah, how it works no, out. I don't think she knew. Yeah, but they're just but kind of reconnecting. That. It's it's not nice yeah. to see them be like, oh hey hey. And and we know that Oscar is a kind of a con artist and a, and and a uh, schemer with her. So mm-hmm. she immediately loosens up and she's like. Thank God there's someone I can talk to here. Yeah. And they have a conversation about how Turner became Winterton and uh, mm-hmm. how life is. Yeah. And he introduces her to Maude as a neighbor. Uh, cut back to Bertha and the Duke. And he's talking about how he was in Egypt and there was a coup during dinner. And he was met with bayonets. Mm-hmm. Cool story, bro. <laughs> uh, Show off. Yeah, really. I was just looking for cheese. It's like, yeah, get out of here, dude. Um, but uh, even after this, um, we do we go back to George? I and think we should. We should. We let's jump Arthur. back in time to Aster and Mister Winterton. Yes. Yes, so in between Which is a scene, this is right before this. uh, Mr. Winterton gets called to a meeting with Miss Astor, the queen of town. And he says, Mm -hmm. oh, why can't I bring my wife? I said, because this is about your wife. Um, We don't think you should have your box at at the academy because your wife's background. And Winterton is like, what are you talking about? And she says that... uh, uh, it's a contrast in her journey through life and 
The board is all on board. The board is on board mm-hmm. with ejecting them because Mrs. Winterton Turner would not get on with the other wives. Yeah. And we don't know how this information got to Aster. I have a feeling we'll find out next week. There, there's only I don't one think logical. I don't think it's Bertha, though. Oh, I know who it is in my head. You think it's Ward? Absolutely. Because that's the thing. This is classic Julian where you're watching this puzzle like, how did she find out this information? And then the reveal, Magnifico, next week will be Ward McAllister passing that information along. Because there's a reason why he's not in this episode this week. And it's not to, it's uh-huh. to specifically, I think, keep him out of mind of how she could have gotten this information. Well, wouldn't it, yeah, how would he, how would Ward know? Uh, he would, he would just know. Would they just things. say he, he knows everything? Is that how would you yeah, exactly. tie that around? Yeah. I, think so. I was thinking the same thing, but also he could surprise us. You never know. If he doesn't answer it, then it's just poor writing. So he has to have some kind of answer for we it. He has to set us up for, for the obvious, which is we see that, uh, well, we find out that the Duke is going later on in the episode. Mm-hmm. It's the very end of the episode, actually, right? It's well, in the oh, newspaper. You're, you're, skip, you're skipping over, though, that George and Bertha have a scene where they attempt to reconcile, where she makes it's the this, point. It, my eyes roll to the back of my head for this scene. <laughs> where she makes the point about the Winterton, you know, we're, we're inviting uh, the Duke to, to Newport, over, and the Wintertons aren't getting them. It's like, George is like, huh. And he's like, is everything okay between all y'all now? And she says... Everything's been fine. It was the fact that you never told me, bro. <laughs> and George says... And he says, like, do I have you back? And she's like, you never lost me. And I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. George, selfish, stop lying. Selfish stop, lady. <laughs> yeah, George says, stop keeping things from her, and she's happy. That's all. And so they kiss again. They, they embrace. And it's a sweet moment. Great. He misses eh. so much, she says. Because... I oh, we, I, oh, yeah. I, I mean... Because, yeah, people were just seeing them, like, you know, not get along on, on Front Street. So, like, it's good. It's good they're back together. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, it's good that they're back together, but I, I don't like a I don't like a doghouse storyline that's resolved by mm-hmm. him doing something that's probably either illegal or or a lie to say that the, everything's okay at the Met when yeah. it's clearly not. That's fair. So, so that's that. Then we go. To yeah. after a few other scenes, we go to our our, our girl Turner Winterton, mm-hmm. and the newspaper. Well, we had a newspaper montage of Julian Favor. Everyone reads the news, but that Mr. Our- Winterton is asking her about her history or talking to her about her history. That she she doesn't have a room at the she doesn't have a box now at, at the academy because of uh-huh. her history. And she was just like, "Are you for real? Like, well, what is it?" And and he, she tells him like. I was an accomplice of Bertha. And he's like, oh, yeah. that's not that bad. Oh, yeah. Basically saying that she was like a companion before mm-hmm. George entered the picture, which is a, a lie in and of itself. Yep. But she basically is, is is fuming because of this. And then we get word at the end of the episode, thanks to a patented Julian Fellows newspaper montage, that the Met... Mm-hmm. Or rather, not the Met. That our our boy, the Duke, is going to be hosted by Bertha and George yeah. in Newport, and we see Turner Winterton with 
some of the the most obscene fellows acting oh, she I've goes ever for seen. It, man. She absolutely is like laying in that. Speaking of Wonka, this is a straight up like, I want my candy. No, I mean <laughs> she literally says like she will not get away with this. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it is hammy all the way through. This is camp. This right is like here. your Thanksgiving dinner. Oh yeah, yeah. It, this is it, all the drama. ham in the world. Um, because yeah, she's flustered. She thought she had one over on, on Bertha, and. No, no. So now she doesn't have a box. She and she now, throws she the newspaper Duke. in the fire. Uh-huh. And Mr. Winterton goes, there'll be other Dukes. And she goes, I don't want other Dukes. I want my Duke. And then yeah. she calls Bertha, she goes, that witch. And then the episode cuts to black. And do you think there's something going on in here? Because at that dinner, we do see Mr. Winterton entertaining an actress. And Turner says, like, oh, yeah, we've stayed with her before. You know, she, they're okay. Uh, but they definitely seem friendly. And you wonder, too, with the way Turner slash Winterton is looking at the Duke, was she, did she have designs for him? Was that the next step to move up the chain, uh-huh. possibly? Because he's young and single. You think she's that nefarious? Oh, of course, dude. She got she got into that bed with George. So, anything's on the That's table. That's true. And you know, an old man is not doing her right. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, that's what we assume. Yeah. But she is, she's laying in. And you, it just leaves you thinking, like, what is she going to do to get even with Bertha? We know what she has holding over her head. Because now everything is straight and narrow with George and Bertha. Perfect timing for her to come into the picture and wreck it. <laughs> wreck it down again. Great. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> you know Julian. He likes to take one step forward, two steps back. That's yeah, the plot. Yeah, yeah. And speaking of a plot that potentially could go backwards but is going very mm-hmm. forward this week, the main event, we talked about it a little bit in the beginning with the Mexican priest, Mexican missionary, mm-hmm. Reverend Forte. Yeah. Yeah, he wants to go. He he goes on missions, and he's looking for funding for another one. And Ada's so, yeah, happy so basically, to host. Bertha's Bertha's hosting a fundraiser for him. And no, not Bertha. Ada. Ada, yeah, not Bertha. Sorry, yeah, that's what I meant. Ada, I got no, Bertha, Bertha on the brain. Involved with that, yeah. <laughs> uh, he's talking about the places he's been. Greece was his favorite. That's the word. And uh, he misses the missionary work. Hmm. They're even sitting uh, next to each other at one point, and then his hand briefly touches hers. This is some this is some Pride and Prejudice level, minimal contact, maximum yeah. emotional uh, eff- effectiveness. It's not given for me though, Dave. I mean, it's I know it's supposed to be like suggesting a lot between the two. Like, oh man, they're going to get hot and heavy. But between them, it just kind of is like a uh, limp noodle a little bit when you see those two hands hit. <laughs> and I'm I'm really I, I, I was in. I was all in. This this. Got me because, and I think this is a good a credit to Julian's treatment mm-hmm. of Agnes. Okay, and I think this is a great episode of this is a not a great episode for Agnes, but this is a great episode telling us that Agnes isn't a winner. Yeah, no, so Ada, the, the, these Ada wants some, and yeah. So then basically, they're walking out to the carriage after this little fundraiser, and the Reverend says, No, 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 uh. Marion does what she did before with the art gallery, but a walk in the park. Mm-hmm. She's going to intercept them walking so they can go on a date and get away with it scot-free. Yeah. 
So at the end of this day, I mean, the Reverend brings her flowers, which has a Yogi's. bee on it, which is a, and we they, they go their separate ways, and he goes, I can't wait until Sunday to see you. Oh, also, it was raining, what? too. We, we got to say, uh-huh. it was very dramatic, you know. Rain. They rushed them into a carriage together. Um, Marion was supposed to be there, but then she, she didn't get there because of the rain, and he was uh-huh. talking to the, the head of that school. But yeah, he asked her to church. So Forte says, look, I don't want to wait till Sunday. Come to the church on Thursday. and Or whatever day. I don't know if it's Thursday. And he says, "There's we can talk. Use the guys mm-hmm. that we're going to be talking about this thing. And there's going to be a choir practice. You can watch it. Yeah. And Ada's like, okay, that's a good... I need to run up on my sister. Mm-hmm. Which is like, okay, maybe, maybe we need to figure this... Asking your 65-year-old sister to leave the house situation. We can handle that. Yeah. And we have this dinner scene with the flowers and a bee in the middle of the room. Right. It's, it's supposed is, to be comedic, but it's a little bit too broad with the bee just appearing out of the peonies in the middle of the room. <laughs> this is a fantastic... I thought this was great. Yeah. A great character breaking down moment for Agnes. Mm-hmm. Where she's calling out Marion for... The teaching gig, and she's making, you know, she's just bullying people because she has, she's just swinging her hands, and whatever she hits, she hits. And she says at one point, she's she's like, okay, so uh, where's where'd you get those flowers from, cousin Dashiell? And it's like, no, Mm -hmm. I got them from a student. And then she at one point says, well, Marion thinks that you and the Reverend is a full blown flirtation. And Marion is like, whoa, 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 whoa. Never said that kind of thing in my life, (laughs) but. Yeah, Agnes is just trying to strong arm Ada into sticking around, and mm-hmm. Ada's like, and she nah. says, she's she's like, after all I've done for you, the two of you are gonna leave me alone, and it's like, Ugh, yeah, you're so you're so gross and dirty, Agnes. You did this to yourself. I saw somebody on Reddit made a point that it's Agnes that Agnes is a widow, mm-hmm. in the same way like Susan Blaine is a widow. Granted, obviously Blaine yeah. is younger. But, like, we see what Blaine is doing is sort of a F you to her dead husband. Mm-hmm. And we see that there's, from what we've heard about on Ada's, or on Agnes's husband, he wasn't a great guy. Yeah. And she kind of did, took her lumps to ensure that the family had money. Mm-hmm. So why is, she, why is she not opening the curtains, you know? Right. Why is she stopping herself from being happy just to maintain the status quo that she didn't even like? Do you think there's a chance that Larry gets in there with Agnes? He could. And it's not <laughs> just a flank. Yeah, after moving on from Blaine, that's that's what's next. Um, yeah. But, yeah, Ada goes to church. She sees Mr. Luke Forte. They snog in the church. Matthew they, they, Forte. Matthew, I'm sorry. Not Ma- Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're all the, the Bibles. I can't keep the Bible verses, man. Uh, but they're, they're all making out in the church for a second. It's not even. It's really a chaste kiss. And he's like, you, you, "That's not. Don't bury the lead." What's the lead? The lead is he proposes to her first. That's what. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I guess he did. <laughs> he did propose to her first because he was going to wait till uh, the next week when they were going to um, see some music, and he was like, "Nah, nah, nah. You want to get married?" And she says, "Yeah." We, he gets so he's got a box at the, at the art the the, the not right the as an act of charity he's got he's got a box yeah, and he says I want to take you and she's like oh my god that's so nice, 
Mm-hmm. And then he's like, I want to say something to you. And then he starts crying. Yeah. And she's like, oh, my God, why are you crying? And he, he says, well, I, I'm, I wanted to wait to say it, but I won't say it now. And he gets down on one knee in the middle of the church with the choir singing. Yeah. And says, will you marry me? And we skipped over it, too, but Agnes is just seen at home sitting alone with no one to talk to. I think that's after the proposal, though. That's after the proposal right. happens. Right. She compliments Miss Bauer on the dinner, but she's uh, she's alone. And so, yeah, it looks like Ada's getting married. And and I don't And then feel... they kiss. I, I, this, I was so thrilled because this, yeah. I thought, was a very sweet, simple, and let's not waste the whole season. I'm sure it's going to get more complicated, but right. let's give Ada her happy moment now. Let's make her the A character this week. Uh-huh. Great look. And, and I, I have a feeling, too, like, it is moving fast. But there's no red flags about this guy. The real drama that we've seen thus far is between Ada and Agnes. And I think that mm-hmm. is really going to be the focus here. I think this Reverend is actually a good guy for once. <laughs> I hope. I, I, I was on Gilded Age Reddit. And, mm. and there were some Gilded speculation Age, about. Age Reddit? I mean, oh, yeah, of, of course. course there's everything Reddit. Reddit. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of, lot of uh, questions about what's going on with the Reverend. What's the end game with the Reverend. And I'm like, I don't want to know. You know. Bless these two with the rest of their no. lives being happy. They don't deserve sadness, but knowing Julian, something is up. Something's no, up with the, these two. The, the answer is we need an easy out for Cynthia, Cynthia Nixon when she needs to go film uh, and just like that. And this is it. <laughs> she needs to go do some okay. uh, stuff with uh, Forte. Uh, that's my read. But, but I thought I thought the crying was great. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why is he cry- is he sick or does he have is he dying or something? Like what's going on? Yeah. And then it's like, no, he's just so emotionally overwhelmed. He couldn't handle himself. It's, it's like, ooh, ah, yeah. I love it. That's what, Ju- I mean, Julian loves, he's, he's, he's Mr. Tofton from Downton Abbey. He loves love. Absolutely. Likes to see people he, happy. He nailed it. I thought this was great. We went long on talking about this episode, and this is, I think, the, the shortest episode of the season yet. But there's just so much to unpack. But it's so dense. Know? Yeah. Uh, so was it, was it a good one? It was good. It was a very good I episode. I thought it was great. Yeah, I said high, high emotional highs of getting the the proposal, mm-hmm. the like the flirting, and very intense yeah. moments between Bertha and Bane, and Agnes and Ada and Marion. Ugh, yeah. he, he I, I, it's a roller coaster. I hope we continue this uh, because. Um, this momentum because it feels like every maybe in every other episode thing where Julian uh, moves things mm-hmm. along but yeah we're going somewhere I, li- I like it yeah give me the drama so let's give get to the these soap. power rankings uh, let's not wait around number three going down for me Marion this woman okay is getting pursued by a man that I don't think she's all that interested in she's being called mother when she's definitely not a mother and I think it's more of just a reflection of like I said earlier, she's not in the conversation as the main character at all in the show anymore. She's just okay. a vessel by which more, other plots travel through. This seems more like a positioning low ranking she than ain't got the power, brother. episode. She's got Agnes okay. talking down to her. <laughs> Who's going down for you? Number three, I got Susan Blaine. Because mm-hmm. she's... She gets... She starts this episode at the high of the high. She's glowing. Yeah. From, from the post-coital glow. <laughs> all the way to Bertha Russell just talking her down saying like hey enough yeah. is enough 
get out of here. You're, and and the, the, down, the, the way she talked her down is enough to make anybody dump somebody. Yep. Well, for that same reason, we got two of Miss Blaine and, and, and Larry tied at number two going down. Uh-huh. Because she's beside herself. She's finally having good sex for once in her life, and then she's got to give it up. <laughs> I mean, truly, well, I that, think... that is kind of the undercurrent uh, here that's not talked about enough. She was with a guy who was not giving it to her. She finally has uh-huh. a guy giving it to her. And that's important for some people. And so, yeah. like, that's a shame. That's a real shame for her. That, I mean, I, I, th- I do think that Larry... Is it's radically emotionally overestimating this, which is why I don't put okay. him on this. I think Blaine Blaine is trying to just enjoy this time, knowing what it is, and then to have mm-hmm. Bertha come in and basically say like, "You're just a fling," and then yeah. for her to just like internalize that, ugh, rough. Yeah. But going at number two, I got Agnes. She sure. totally she loses this this dinner conversation in the meanest way possible. She's just mean. Yeah. And. You know, like the Dowager Countess has those moments where she's mean, but she always makes up for it. And Agnes ends this episode sitting alone, mm-hmm. having basically tried to like strong arm her sister into not having a nice man in her life. And she's trying to bully Marion and it's just like totally fails. That scene of her alone is so perfectly deserved for Agnes because yeah. she's been a total B word this whole season, basically. That's fair. Uh, yeah. I, I guess I just don't like Mary, and that's why I, did, I slotted. Hey, no, that's Agnes. that's fine. I mean, that's yeah. Because I, I think Agnes people will come listen to the podcast. Agnes has got the money. Astro needs her. Agnes will come around. Um, Winterton though, easily going down. Oh, you, you, that's a she week. Is, that's the worst week. Angry. She's throwing things in flames. She's saying she will get her revenge. She wants she the Duke that she can witch. get. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not not the best for Miss Winterton right now. No, not, not not one bit. Well, Dave, who's going up? Going up was a little tougher this week. Okay. And number three, he's got really one scene to do it, but I got to give it to Watson. Okay. He gets it. McNeil, McNeil tries to talk about people getting strong armed. McNeil mm-hmm. tries to basically bully Watson and say, "My wife, my wife agrees with me." We don't want you around. Please leave. And Watson goes, all right, tell her to come in and say it to my face. He goes, you have to take my word. He goes, no, I don't. Yeah. Come, Have her come in and do it. And she goes, I'm not going to do that. Do you not? Do, you, do I have no integrity? He goes, no, you don't. And he walks out. Yeah. Big W for Watson. He could have taken yeah. the money. He went with his heart. That's true. He did stand strong. For me, there's an honorable mention to, to Mr. Borden. He has to grow out, and she oh, said yeah. yes. There's just not enough meat on that bone right now. Not enough meat. I yet. was like, where do I, where do I put Borden? Yeah, number three, and also just a little bit, of, uh, you know, just him not being having to do the whole French thing again. So big up for him. But number three, Oscar. This guy is getting in position to okay. be with Maude Beaton. She appreciates that he's, you know, making donations in her name, going to help her out with her financial situation potentially, and he's got an ally and Miss Turner having power all of a sudden, and that could pro- probably prove to have some. Uh, heft down the line because yeah yeah she doesn't have an academy seat but he does uh know people with academy seats so who knows yeah yeah well number number two i got a tie of ada and reverend forte because same Same. pretty straight narrow line for them in this week i think that that last scene is is the kind of uh kind of julian 
love fest that I it doesn't matter how broken the episode is or how so many characters are pieces of trash. Mm-hmm. Hits you right in the heart when he when he when those tears roll down. My man from House, Robert Sean Leonard. <laughs> I was there. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. So Dave, who's who's number one then? Number one, I think it's Bertha. Same, same. She shut down uh, Miss Winterton every turn this week in terms of getting with the Duke uh, and and getting him over to, to her house in Newport, and then she trounces Mrs. Blaine. Tell her to stop yep. having sex with her son. And then the scene with uh, with the uh, the opera that seems to get resolved. She she oh, gets yeah. right on with her husband. It's. I think that she needs to enjoy this number one spot while she has it because something tells me she's going to be falling down very soon. But yep, enjoy your flowers while you have them, Bertha. Absolutely. So that is this week on the Gilded Age. Man, we went for a while, but uh, we went long this week. But man, you got to do it when Julian gives you the goods like that. That was dense. Yeah, absolutely. And next, I like week, their their cr- crown ahead. episodes before we get to the the end. There are crown episodes that are like hour fifteen. We covered in like forty two minutes, right? Because there's just this nothing to a, talk about. This was this was like fifty. Yeah, it was fifty four with the preview and credits. Mm-hmm. And we talk. We're talking. We're at an hour and sixteen minutes right now. So that tells you that Julian is good at his job. He's cooking. He's cooking a whole job alive for us. Uh, the next week's episode may be a little bit late because, as we mentioned, Dave, you're going to Disney. I will uh, be. I will be returning home Tuesday. So you're usually. We've been for all of our Gilded Age listeners who are who are newish or not regular listeners. We've been dropping them earlier in the week than we typically would. We're typically a Wednesday or Thursday podcast, but we've been Tuesday since Gilded Age. But mm-hmm. next week we'll probably be recording Wednesday, so maybe Wednesday night or Thursday. So yeah, apologies, we'll but uh, I'm gonna That's be riding Tron Light Cycle Run. So there you go. Ha ha. <laughs> At, at this rate, we'll be uh, actually recording for 24 hours in the next episode, I think, if we keep going. Yeah, it'll be a telethon if, if his writing stays up. <laughs> yeah. And Dave, I know I usually ask, have you watched anything lately? But we spent the whole weekend together in North Carolina. We weren't watching anything. Yep. We weren't, we, I mean, we watched some I Think You Should Leave. We watched some uh, sketch comedy and whatnot. You put on the we Down were... Abbey movie at midnight. <laughs> and we're just like, no. Yep. No. It's just, we watched about 15 minutes to, to your credit. I was trying to stir the conversation pop more than have something that we had our eyes on. So that's it was for the right reasons. We've discussed at length. There, there's not much more bone to, to chew, or meat to chew on, even there in person. Just, just, just wait for Downton Abbey Movie 3. We will be watching Downton Abbey Movie 1 again. That's true. That is true. So, But for all our listeners, happy Thanksgiving. Thank you for all yeah. your support. We are thankful for you, and we hope that you, if you're in the U.S. and you celebrate, eat up. Yeah, or go this to is Disney exactly World why like we me. went long, Maybe I'll Dave. see you there. We know a lot of people are traveling home for the holidays or traveling somewhere, so that's why we're here, <laughs> to, to talk you through it. Yeah. Uh, so, we are thankful for you. Absolutely, indeed. Have a turkey, have a ham, have whatever you may have to eat, or, you know, have fun at Disney if you want to, or, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but we will see you next time on the pod. You know where to find us, lordsgrantham at gmail.com. If you want to hit us up, you can slide in our DMs on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or uh, X, I guess. Uh, and all our pods are on any platform in which you get uh, podcasts from. Leave us a five-star rating and review if you so choose, and we'll see you next time on the pod. Yeah.